0: Hello, Canada. It's a full edition of Canadian Common Sense today. Today's date is June 16th, 2021, and it is Tony in Saskatchewan.
1: And Lewis out here in BC. I just want to apologize to our listeners for... Us not having a full episode of the show for the past couple of weeks, but Tony and I have both been extremely busy and have had uh, a very difficult time uh, finding time to, uh, where both of us have the same time in the, in our schedules to, uh, to do this. Uh, so we do try our best, but sometimes it just doesn't happen.
0: Well, it was... <laughs> It was kind of a a comical, really, for uh, for how hard we try, especially last week. Because the first week we're like, okay, hey, can we try it this day? Oh, sure. Oh, crap, something came up. Sorry, I can't make it today. Let's try tomorrow. Oh no, I I gotta work late, and uh, so we thought, okay, well, we'll try again next week, which was being last week, and every single day we tried it was like oh i had a breakdown i gotta stay late oh geez i got something just came up
1: (laughs) yeah oh it was comical because because i mean we would we'd be like oh no can't do it now and uh and then half an hour later i'd get a message from you saying oh no it didn't take as long as i thought i got some help now i'm ready and i and i'd be like well I went and did, made plans to do something else, so it, it just didn't just didn't pan out for the last two weeks. But we're back.
0: We are back, and thank you for staying with us, Canada, on the show today with your forty-five minutes of unfiltered, uncensored, unscripted, and unedited talk on Canada's issues. We've got a shocking discovery in Kamloops and its reverberations across the country. It's not easy being green. It's not easy being Max Bernier. Softwood Lumber is back in the news. And there's more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well,
1: I I, I always hate ending the show on somber notes. So why don't we start with that and let's talk about Kamloops.
0: Okay, certainly. And... It was a, it was indeed a shocking discovery. It was a couple of weeks ago that uh, there was some the remains of two hundred and fifteen children were found at Town uh, residential school, and honestly, we don't know a lot about them because the records are still not made public, and it's uh yeah it very quickly reverberated across the country. Yeah,
1: I also, I i, I want to, I'm not trying to diminish this discovery at all, but I do want to make it clear that the remains have not been found. Uh, nothing has been dug up. These are ground penetrating radar uh, results. And the thing that I'm, I'm being a little skeptical on is is that I know a little something about ground penetrating radar uh, from my previous career. and ground penetrating radar does not see bones. Uh, it sees soft like cavities and uh, like so cavities in the ground or softer soils right that are not as hard packed those will show up on the radar but you don't see like skeletons in in the images and it's it's uh i've i've seen results from ground penetrating radar saying that there were you know six possible um grave sites on a property and uh, only one actually was an actual gravesite the other five were just soft pockets of dirt that were not hard packed so this is I I want I want people to I, I don't think the results of this radar should have been made public until they had done some excavating
0: You know, I think that's actually a really good point. And uh, before you start sending the hate mail, Canada, well, I mean, go ahead and send it. Um, You're not going to like what I have to say right now, but I will put forward the disclaimer that I often put forward and probably still get called a racist, but my mother was Métis. I've never shied away from the the Sioux blood that runs through my veins. Uh, I've always been quite proud of that, but... You're right, we have not found a gravesite or, uh, you know, actual bodies at, and they won't until they excavate. I'm fully convinced that they are going to find some. But uh, Brian Giesbrecht, who is a retired Manitoba judge and uh, is now a senior fellow with the Frontier Center for Policy Development, had made, penned a very interesting paper last week and when he suggested that there could very well be 215 bodies down there. He said, but bear in mind that the Kamloops Residential School opened, it was the late 1800s, I believe. Yeah. And he said, bear in mind the, the diseases of the time, tuberculosis and he said smallpox, other diseases that, you know, that hit the indigenous populations a lot harder than other populations. He said, so there could have been very well a lot of natural deaths, but we don't know because we don't have any records. And that was kind of the point that Murray Sinclair, a retired Senator had made is that because he was the head of the truth and reconciliation commission. And he had said, like, we don't, we know the stories from people who have, who have been through this residential school system. Now we just need to verify and to verify, we need these churches and other institutions who ran these schools to pony up some records and help us out.
1: Yeah, and the the Catholic Church, and I think that this actually goes to show that there there's probably most definitely some truth to the fact that there are some bodies there. Uh, they're refusing to provide the records. So, I mean, I'm not, I I, I don't. I don't believe that they're all victims of murder. I mean, or I, I just, I, I I think that, you know, you're right. Or the, the, sorry, the person you were quoting is right. There are a lot of diseases that people were dying from back then. Uh, not just Native. I mean, white people, everybody was dying from these diseases. But the the Indigenous population was getting hit harder than anybody by these diseases so just because we find that all these just because we might find some bodies there doesn't not mean that they were murdered
0: no that's right and uh, I am willing to admit there is going to be more than there should be that were abused and quite possibly murdered and that's awful and you're right the fact that the Catholic Church is essentially running away from this really bothers me. I mean, when Prime Minister Trudeau rightfully asked the Pope, uh, Pope Francis for an apology and the Pope replied by saying, well, the Catholic church in Canada can take care of that. I thought the passing the buck is, it's awful. And I mean, he's doing it because he doesn't want lawsuits, but it's just awful. Stand up and just take some responsibility for your end of it, the Anglican Church, uh, other churches who were involved with residential schools have issued apologies already. We're just waiting for one more.
1: Yeah, the Catholic Church is. Um, I mean, we've seen this with with the uh, pedophile priests uh, as well, right? Or they believe that they're above the law that that the church should be allowed to. Perform its own investigations and its own uh, dole out its own punishment, and that the police should not be ever involved. And that I'm sorry, but that's not how this works. The yeah, land, the law, the law of the land uh, takes precedence over whatever the church thinks is appropriate. I'm sorry, but that's just the way this is. And if the if the Catholic Church does not want to appear to be um hiding something they need to they need to release those records the uh church i mean the 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 pope absolutely needs to issue an apology um i i just i I just wish that people would stop using these tragedies as political tools. And we're seeing that right now. Uh, the, city of, the city of Victoria has, you know, they've, they've, they, that city council looks for every reason possible to cancel uh, anything to do with Canada and Canadiana. And they're using this to cancel Canada Day. Um, the I, I guarantee you, the federal government is going to institute undrip in the wake of this, and nobody is going to be able to vote against it because they will be just be called racist over it. Um, I just I, I just don't see I don't see a lot of good coming out of this. I just see a lot of opportunism and uh an opportunity opportunism is not good it's 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 evil
0: that's really well said i'm actually i'm really glad you brought that end of things up because that's exactly what it is and the trudeau government is taking full advantage of this opportunism you had done a rant last week talking about a new stat holiday for uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day. Now, to be fair, this was announced long before the uh, the discovery at Kamloops. It was. But I mean, now, now you're right when you say that. I mean nobody nobody's going to oppose it. But after your rant, I actually got thinking that um, at least here in Saskatchewan, I'm sure it's it's uh, it's everywhere. But uh, we we celebrate National Aboriginal Persons Day on June 21st, and Seeing that it's called National Aboriginal Day, I'm sure that it's probably recognized across the country. And I realize that that is supposed to be a celebration of Aboriginal culture. But if you're going to turn any day into a stat holiday, how about the positive one where we're celebrating Aboriginal cultures? Yeah.
1: And like I said in my rant, I mean, this 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 new stat uh in September, it was September 30th, I believe it is. Um it's not it's not even a national like it's not a it's not a national stat. It's a stat for federal employees only. So government employees get another day off on the taxpayer dime. And if you want to know how much a stat costs the federal government it's 250 million dollars per day so this is wow. another another 250 million dollar bill that taxpayers have to pick up for something they don't even get like this is something that i i'm sick and tired of seeing is that is is government employees getting benefits and pensions and high wages that the people who actually pay those salaries don't get themselves.
0: Yep. Absolutely right.
1: And this holiday is not going to be used for what it's meant. Trudeau is going on and on about how this is going to be a day for, um, for reflection. Yeah, BS. It's going to be a day for wine touring.
0: Yep, that's true. And uh, if you need one more example of how shallow the federal government's outrage is on this issue, here's one more for you, Canada. The federal government has been fighting victims of the child welfare system uh, uh, in First Nations, victims of the child welfare system in court. It was, I believe it was 2016 or 2018 when uh, a human rights tribunal had agreed that the government should award $40,000 to each child or survival of, survivor, sorry, of each child who had been victimized by the child welfare system. And we're talking about our indigenous population here. And the government of Canada still to this day is fighting them in court and is saying that well, 40,000 for each one is unfair because their situations are all different. And of course they're, uh, the media is trying is being quite silent about it, but thankfully the opposition isn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, um, it's all theater. I mean, this is, the Trudeau and his elk have been—they, you know—every time they open their mouths about this topic, it's, you know, we, you know, this Liberal government is are the our friends of First Nations people. I, I'm sorry, but that's a pile of crap. I mean, this government has done nothing. They still have. Uh, boil water advisories on dozens of, of reserves in this country. We still, uh, oh, gave a holiday. Whoop, be do da day. I mean, it's it's symbolic at best. It doesn't actually accomplish anything. It doesn't do anything for these people, and uh, we still have the most racist piece of legislation in the known first world with the Indian Act. And I mean that, that, that Indian Act alone is our First Nations people live in such poverty and are uh, and are treated so poorly by the government. It's it, 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 it all comes down to the Indian Act. And the thing I don't understand is that like the Indian Act is designed to hold First Nations people down. It is not meant to help them get out of poverty. It's not It's not to help them, you know, uh, integrate into society. It's not meant to help them, uh, you know, stand on their own two feet it's meant to hold them down and keep them on the government dole and the stupid thing is is that if you even publicly contemplate wanting to do something about the Indian Act you are shouted down as a racist even though it's that legislation that's keeping them down
0: oh yeah, and uh, if you want to know who the real racists are, there was a motion in Parliament last week to stop fighting these Indigenous kids in court and their families, and the motion passed, 271 to zero. Now, we know there's 338 MPs. Do you want to know who the big bulk of those people who were not there to vote were, Lewis?
1: Uh, would it happen to be the Liberal cabinet
0: and their leader, Justin Trudeau, who were all conspicuously absent from that vote? Ding, 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 ding. You were correct, sir. They have a tendency to do that. They sure do. And it's uh, not only was it cowardly for them not to show up, it was arrogant and you darn right it's racist. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is. It's it's insane. They did, to their credit, they did. Yeah, the government did settle one different claim for the Day Scholars of residential schools. Now, the Day Scholars was a rather small cohort, but they were First Nation students who went to these schools but returned home at night, which is why the term Day Scholar came out. I didn't hear the terms of the settlement, but at least they settled with one group, but of course not the largest cohort, naturally. Naturally. Yes.
1: there, there's who so, the government. There's so much opportunism going on with this. It's like, uh, I mean, we are seeing we're seeing uh, uh, vandalism across the country. We're seeing uh, hate crimes against the country climb, and I'm telling you, it is not against First Nations people. It's against Catholics. Um, we're seeing the uh. Uh, we're seeing statues being torn down, we're seeing universities that are contemplating changing their name I mean we, it's, it's like, this stuff was all known before we knew, it wasn't like residential schools were a big secret we knew they existed, we knew that it was basically cultural genocide uh, taking place, but nobody cared about it until until two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants to tear down every institution in this country, and it's 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 a shame because that is not the mature way to go about these things.
0: You're you're absolutely right about that. And really, the only positive is that can be drawn from this situation is that there there seems to be a bit more of an awareness now among the general public that okay, it's time that we actually did something, but this is not the way to go. Tearing down statues and saying I go to X University now instead of Ryerson, for example, is completely asinine. Yeah, it is. All right. All right. Speaking of asinine, our <laughs> friends at Air Canada have they settled on a bailout package. And now I had mentioned to you just before the show that just before they signed the papers on that bailout, they decided to give their their executives ten million dollars in bonuses for doing such a great job in collecting $650 million in wage subsidies, laying off over 20,000 employees. So, yeah, by all means, they deserve to get those bonuses just before the bailout package was signed. That's significant because the bailout conditions were to be that, unlike Bombardier, that bailout money was not to be used for executive compensation. So, of course, when Air Canada signed the $5.6 billion bailout from, from you and I, the taxpayer, they uh, said, oh, well, this took place before the bailout. Thanks to public outrage, they have claimed they're going to claw back that those bonuses. But as usual, Air Canada, you guys really suck at optics.
1: They do. Um, I think... There's a few things here that that bother me. The bonuses are kind of a small part of it. What really bothers me is that the government, the federal government, is taking an ownership stake in Air Canada because of the bailout. Yet, it's because of the government that they needed a bailout. Well, that's a good point. I mean, this is, it's not Air Canada's fault that they needed a bailout. It's not WestJet's fault that they that they needed help. It's, you know, they they only needed the, this help or these bailouts because the government shut down travel. The government shut down our borders. It's, we had a worldwide pandemic that, is, and that's why, I mean, it's it's like restaurants that are that are suffering and barely making it, or have closed altogether. It's not their fault. It's because governments wouldn't let us eat indoors. So, why is the government taking an ownership stake? It, it's like it's like the government has to, you know put a company in dire straits by preventing them from doing business and then say, Hey, look, if you want our help, then you need to give us part ownership of this business. But it's because of you that they have to do that.
0: Wow. And when you said that, you just, you harken back to, uh, when you and I talked, it was last year sometime and when they were changing mortgage rules for millennials for first-time homebuyers that the government was take a 10 percent stake in your home yeah. well here's what they're doing now to companies Well, oh, you like your socialism canada well i mean and when they
1: did that with the with the first-time homebuyers it's it's like uh that didn't help i mean in fact housing prices went up even faster and and it's always because when government gets involved when government tries to fix things they always make them worse i have never ever ever heard of a go- heard of government trying to make something better and actually succeed
0: yep well that's true and you had brought up the point that uh, a few months ago when we were on doing a show that the government had had offered uh, a loan to businesses in exchange for a stake in the companies. And we're really confused when so few companies were were taking them up on this offer. And good thing there's some smart business people in this country to say no.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the government will look for any reason to, you know, take more. And, And, and it's funny because like, If you ask a hundred people, do you trust governments? You're going to get like 90 out of a hundred saying, no, don't trust them at all. And then you ask them, you know, should government be in control of more And 90 out of a hundred are going to say yes.
0: That's a good point. Sad, but you're right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 i mean you had the right word earlier it's complete asinine it's completely asinine that 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 we keep wanting to give government more and more and more control over our lives and over our our businesses and and everything and yet none of us trust government
0: (laughs) yeah that is so true And actually, that'll dovetail into our next topic here. Uh, The Green Party of Canada, not that they've ever been really relevant, and they certainly punch above their weight in gaining headlines that they often don't deserve. But, boy, are they taking a beating this week. So, Fredericton MP Jenna, Jenica Atwin, sorry, uh, who's an MP for Fredericton Green Party, decided that the Liberal Party of Canada aligned more closely with her values, as she put it, and she crossed the floor. And what values was she talking about? Oh, when she called Israel an apartheid state, for example. And the Liberal Party of Canada, of course, very quickly suggested that she walked that one back. But I uh, I say, hey, cat's out of the bag. You're uh, obviously anti-Israel, and you feel you belong in the Liberal Party of Canada. Well. <laughs> there you go.
1: Well, we've seen this with liberal members. I mean, it, the Liberal Party of Canada is not pro-Israel. Uh, they're 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 very anti-Israel, and and so are the U.S. Democrats. I mean, the U.S. Democrats are even more anti-Israel than than the Canadian Liberals. I mean, so much so that like, uh Representative Ilhan Omar has actually come out and said that uh, Israel and the U.S. are guilty of crimes equivalent to what Hamas and uh, uh, Al Qaeda are guilty of, and it's it's like, I mean, I didn't hear anybody in Canada. Say anything about her comments because I mean, it's and the reason you won't ever hear anybody in the Liberal Party say anything you know remotely good about Israel is because they don't like Israel,
0: yeah, that's true. And it was, uh, I from what I heard, um, Miss Atwin didn't even tell Green Party leader Annamie Paul that she was crossing the floor until. Right before her news conference, so I mean that suggests there's obviously some tension in the party itself. And Miss Paul, I must say, I was rather disappointed that she immediately pulled the race card and said that you know, it was an attack on her because she is the first black female Jewish uh, leader of a federal party. And I thought we don't know if that's the case, so it's uh, it's a real shame that she had to had to play that as her first card.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, everybody's a victim and everybody has to play up their victimhood because uh, their victimhood is currency. And the more intersectionality in your victimhood, the higher your 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 currency and or the more valuable your currency. And since she's black, she's a woman. And she's Jewish. She's, you know, she's got three intersectional uh, victimhood status <laughs> uh, going on there, right? And uh, and and it's just the game today, especially in politics. This is the game today. You got to play up your victimhood, and uh, and it's it, it's the first thing they always go to. And this is where this is something I've been saying for a long time now. You want to know who the racists are? It's the ones that are always focused on race.
0: Yeah, that, that that's actually the best way to say it because uh, it, it's so true. And what I heard today, or I guess it was on last night's Power Play, is rumblings in the Green Party that bring back Elizabeth May. And I thought, well, yeah, because she really grew the party so much, being the only MP for 14 years.
1: Yeah, I don't understand this. I mean, obviously, I mean, just that suggestion alone means they're not serious. means that this is not not a serious party. And the fact that uh, they want to ditch their leader after, what, a year? Um. Not even, not even a year. She hasn't even been the leader for a year, and there's there's a faction in the party that wants to ditch her already. Um, just just says to me that they're not a serious, they're not serious about politics. They're not serious about. They're not a serious party. They're just, they're just you know the sideshow.
0: That's probably a pretty good description. They're a, a sideshow. being, I mean, yeah the. Uh... And of course, some of the the punditry class was saying, oh, this is nothing but good for Justin Trudeau because you know green voters who may have leaned toward the liberals will now go to the liberals. I don't think so. The Greens have got their kind of little wacky cohort that will always seem to follow them around, just like every party does. And I don't see the liberals gaining from attracting one of the you know the three nutty green MPs to their fold. Like I don't really see a win for the liberals. Like they feel that they're getting.
1: Well, and the liberals. I mean the 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 greens. The greens are are. I mean, it, they're not. They don't get enough of the vote to really even matter, and. The majority of their supporters, if they didn't vote Green, would be voting NDP, not Liberal. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got to... Let's be real here. I mean, the Greens... Canada's political landscape is so messed up right now. We have got... What? Four national parties. If you want to count the Bloc we got four national parties that are hardcore socialists right now. And we've got one party that's kind of liberal light middle of the road. And, uh, one party that doesn't even have a seat or even have the prospects of getting a seat who claims to be right wing. I mean, if we're in, we've got a messed up political landscape right now. It's, there's just I, I'm I I think I've said this before. I am politically homeless right now because nobody there isn't a single party in this country that that actually reflects my beliefs. And I feel I feel politically homeless.
0: Well, possibly for you, Lewis, you'll be lucky enough living in the the interior of British Columbia. That maybe you'll have a maverick candidate to vote for. Oh, good God.
1: <laughs> Dumbest name in history. But
0: yes, I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've been talking to some of my friends and, and, and that lately, and we all agree like, if Justin Trudeau wins another election, we are 100% on board with Western separation.
0: Well, I hate to break it to you, but I really think Justin Trudeau is going to win the next election, and like you, you. I will be on board. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree with you. I mean, we've talked about this over the past what month or so, or maybe a couple of months. Yeah, actually, it's been uh, probably four the last four months or so since we've been we've been uh, worried that there's going to be an election. We we you and I both agree. We think Justin Trudeau is going to win the next election. And I mean, I think the prospects of it being a majority are a lot slimmer than they were say three months ago. Um, I think, I think the conservatives are, are actually showing some uh, promise, but uh, I mean, let's be real under Aaron tool. The conservative party is not conservative.
0: Definitely not. And um The only real conservatives left in the Conservative Party of Canada who at least are not afraid to stand up and be conservative are Candace Bergen, Pierre Polyev, um, maybe a few other stragglers, but at least those two are the only, you know, openly conservative conservatives that are getting any media attention.
1: Yeah, uh, Michelle Rempel. um, But... I would say those three, I mean, maybe Dan Albus, but, but I really, I can't think of too many others. It's, it's really kind of a sad state for conservative politics in this country.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's. uh yeah I mean I've realized that mr. O'Toole's you know plan was to move the party to the left so that he could be could call him a centrist party but it's it's a real shame that a lot of people who I would have considered to be solid conservatives have just fallen in line and said, okay, we can be liberal light we'll do this yeah
1: it's it's actually kind of shocking um, because I thought that I mean, you and I talked about this before on the show. The This Conservative Party was born out of a merger between the Canadian Alliance and the Progressive Conservative Party. And the Canadian Alliance was a... Um, it was the Reform Party. And... What? 15 years later what's left of reform policies. There's nothing. There's nothing left of reform policies.
0: No, not a thing. And you had made that point in uh, one of your rants last week that it's it's time for another reform party. And I'll just, uh, you know, spoiler alert, Canada, Maverick is not the next reform party. No, because
1: they're even less serious than the Greens. I mean, they don't even want to win a seat.
0: Yeah, so they're they're serious about not wanting to win. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> thing they're
1: serious about. Because, I mean, I think we've, we've said this before on air, is that they, the Maverick Party is only going to run uh, candidates in seats where the Conservatives have no shot of losing. So, like, do you actually want to be a party or do you just want to be a sideshow like the Green Party because I mean, this is it's ridiculous how can you be a separatist party and not even want to have a seat you yeah. can't you can't put you can't further any of your policies if you don't have a seat
0: see you, you and I know that and you Canada listening in You know that, so how is it that somebody as smart and accomplished as Jay Hill, who was a cabinet minister in Stephen Harper's government, how can Mr. Hill, the leader of the Maverick Party, not figure that out?
1: All I can assume is that he knows, and he just, like I said, they don't actually want to have a seat.
0: Yeah, well, like you say, they're just not serious. So.
1: They're not serious. They just want, it's it's almost like they just want to be there to ha- so that they can have a conversation, not to actually make changes. And it's like, I'm sorry, but as someone who is very, very, very concerned about the future of our country, we need an alternative. We need a party that actually gives a damn about making the right changes that, to, to bettering our country so that everybody in this country feels like they belong in this country. Because right now, a large portion of Western Canadians don't feel like we belong in this country. And I I'm one of them. And I know you are too.
0: Yep, and uh, okay, we've got about five minutes, so I think we have enough time to discuss one more reason why Western Canadians don't feel a part of this country. I had sent you a screenshot, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, that softwood lumber is back in the news because the U.S. announced that it's time to increase the softwood lumber tariffs because, of course, we don't have a deal so now, instead of 9% tariff on Canadian softwood lumber products going to the US, later this year that tariff will increase to 18.32% for you folks in British Columbia. And for some mills in Ontario and Quebec, as much as 30% tariffs on Canadian softwood lumber. How do you like that, Canada? Yeah,
1: that's, uh, we've been talking about this for a couple of years. Because the last softwood lumber deal expired, I believe, right after Justin Trudeau took office in 2015. And he has done absolutely nothing to try and get a new deal. I mean, nothing. There's been no talk about it. There's been no attempt to uh to to reach a deal there's there's been no effort none at all and western yeah. canada and ontario and quebec i mean logging is a big big industry especially here in bc and and we i mean the us can put whatever tariffs they want on us now and we can't fight it because we don't have a deal and and I, and I really don't believe that Justin Trudeau even cares or even is going to no. try to make an effort to make a deal. He doesn't give a crap about us in the West. He doesn't give a crap about natural resources. And, and, and in fact, I believe he would like to see a 100% shutdown of all natural resource uh, development in this country.
0: You know, I actually <laughs> agree with that and i believe it was again in one of your rants when you had said that uh, you know the justin trudeau government you know has open disdain for western canada and you couldn't have said it better because that's exactly what it is he doesn't care about softwood lumber in fact i was i actually had assumed that that was going to be part of the the usmca the you know the nafta 2.0 as it's been called and until you pointed out to me that that wasn't even on the table I, I didn't even realize that they were, weren't talking about lumber at all. But again, Lewis, you were right. They didn't even bring it up and they still haven't. And they're not going to.
1: No. And the complete disdain that they have, that the Trudeau government has for Western Canada, is obvious. Like it's there, they don't even try to hide it. They have, they, they actually don't like us. And it's because we don't vote for them. That's right. And, but they, but they, they actually, it, I almost feel like they would go out of their way to hurt us. And they have in the past. And it was under, oh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, where
0: that's the actually, one.
1: Yeah, where he actually brought in the National Energy Program that pretty much, bankrupted Alberta he also brought in the national wheat board that only applied to western farmers yeah I bet you didn't know that Canada the national wheat board did not apply to Ontario or Quebec it only applied to western Canada western Canadian farmers had no choice but to sell their grains to the National Wheat Board. They had no other option. It was illegal for them to sell it to anyone else. That was under Trudeau. It was under Trudeau, or actually it was Trudeau that flipped the bird in Salmon Arm. It was Trudeau that that uh, was, you know, he he. It was him that declared martial law in Quebec, and it was under Trudeau that 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 Quebec separation became an issue, and the the country's unity started to crumble, and it's under the under Trudeau Jr. now that. Canada's unity is crumbling, and we've got every part of this country is not happy. Yet they still want to vote for Trudeau, and I don't get it.
0: Yeah, and you're right, and that's actually probably a good place to wrap to show up right there because I don't get it either. And if anybody out there can explain it to us, Canada please drop us an email because I don't get it. Well, on that note... <laughs> on that that's note, a Canada, other,
1: That's a wrap on this full episode of uh, Canadian Common Sense. Uh, so, uh, from British Columbia, it's Lewis, and thank you for listening. Good
0: night. And good night from Tony in Saskatchewan. and Tony.